0: Hey, guys, what's up? It's Chris. I'm back from my continental sojourn. I'm really excited to be back. Uh, today's pod was conducted over the phone for a few minutes with Andy, and then uh, there's a second half that is uh, an interview he did with Kirby Your Enthusiasm's Jeff Garland, which we're really excited about. Uh, Andy and I mostly just talked about movies that we've been watching on airplanes, because that's what uh, we've been doing. Uh, but it was actually a funny catch-up on a lot of the blockbusters from earlier in the year that we haven't seen, or that I hadn't seen, like uh, Kong, Skull Island, and... Uh, Tom Tom Hanks's Inferno, which I guess that's not from this year. But it was it was a funny conversation about that. Andy also saw the big sick. So it's just sort of like a kind of a survey of movies that we've missed. And then we get into obviously Andy's interview with Jeff Garland. Kirby Enthusiasm is back. Last night we'll do a more uh comprehensive conversation about that uh probably next week. Uh, we'll have shows Thursday, Monday, like usual. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, check out Andy's interview with Amy Landecker from Transparent that dropped over the weekend. Obviously, his amazing podcast with Nick Kroll and Jason manzukas from last week, uh, and shows that we'll be covering in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Uh, obviously, The Deuce, Ken Burns' the Vietnam War, American Vandal on Netflix. There's a bunch of stuff. TV's rolling. We're rolling. Uh, really happy to be back, so check out the pod. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Mack Weldon. With a smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon underwear is definitely better than whatever you're currently wearing. In addition to looking great and feeling great, all Mack Weldon products are crafted with natural fibers that have built-in performance capabilities, so they work hard, too. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. All that and they are shipped right to your door. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Go to macweldon.com and get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code WATCH.
1: I need to have to clear the room.
0: Stand up and walk. Now. Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm the editor from TheRinger.com, and calling me from Central Park, New York. It's Andy Greenwald!
2: Oh, this is a great city. Greatest Bonilla! city in the world. Really What's up, man? You really should visit.
0: New York, is it nice? Chris,
2: New York, you know, it's a nice town. You know, many people come here to Central Park to recreate famous romantic movies that they've seen in the past. <laughs> yeah. they pose, you know, like in the John Lennon area. The scene I'm recreating is the scene in Muppets Take Manhattan where Miss Piggy borrows Gregory Hines' roller
0: skates. <laughs> that's better that's than uh, the scene in Die Hard with a Vengeance where they start like mowing down cyclists as they chase down Jeremy Irons, though.
2: That, that's the great call. Yeah. That's the great call. So we each have our own way into it. Chris, you were away for so long. Dog, why does two weeks
0: that? feel so long? Here's what
2: I learned. While you were away. And I think our listeners learned a lot too. <laughs> what I learned while you were away was that it is very futile to try to have a podcast with two improvisers. Yes. And try to have any structure. I learned that. I learned it the I would say the easy way because they were delightful. I also learned that I text you a lot when we're in the same time zone. I know, you know my drafts folder my drafts folder is is, is thick. It's it, full.
0: it's too far because like and then like nobody every time I text somebody, like they're just getting up, but I'm like on uh I was on like Superbac number three of the afternoon. And I was just like, "Tell me everything," and they're just like, "I'm having coffee." Uh, How was your vacation, dude? Vacation was great. Shout out to Portugal. Uh, shout out to London, possibly the greatest city in the world. Uh, it definitely in the in the running. I, I really, really loved Portugal. Um, Porto and Lisbon, especially, were were just wonderful, wonderful cities to visit. Can't recommend them highly, more highly, and. Uh, yeah, man, London was incredible. I just like London in late September. Really got it all figured out. I like global, Chris. Yeah, this is great. Young global entry on the line, <laughs> um, Andy. I, you know, I could go through all of my my parts unknown, no reservations uh, diatribes. I would say that um, I do think um, like I, I getting over like a mild case of gout. <laughs> Zach Barron and I were chatting about like how when you go away to these cities and you just like eat razor clams for four times a day and have like sure. two loaves of bread every time you sit down it's it gets a little much so i'm really looking forward to my my first salad of the of of the fall listen
2: listen man i've been back in the 212 for less than 24 hours and i've already had like 10 classic new york pizza bagels uh, yeah i was going to ask That's you <laughs> if
0: you had one of the, the legendary pizza bagels um one yeah. thing that you and i do have in common over the last 2 weeks is we've both spent time on airplanes and uh, I had two very, very long flights in which to get caught up with all, like, summer blockbusters that I hadn't checked out. Um, oh, see, because this was my
2: point. I, I know you wanted to get in on this airplane movie action because you know that's a really successful yeah, brand. I mean, brand I, I, and I it, it, was,
0: it was definitely something that I felt very left out on.
2: I know, and this is, this you know, I've been taking meetings around the valley, you know, and I know that you wanted in on the action. The thing that you have to consider is it's the downside to the fact that you see every movie in the theater. So when you go on a plane, you just got the dregs, whereas me, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like a treasure box of possibility. So what did you indulge in? Um,
0: well, I watched a lot of uh, just blockbusters. So I watched um, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, which was actually not that bad. Uh, that was a good one. And I also enj- enjoyed parts of Kong Skull Island. Oh yeah, that's the one that's
2: like Apocalypse Now,
0: right? But then there were ones that, yeah, well, it was not like Apocalypse Now, but sure. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but then there the were a lot was. of.
0: There was a bunch of movies where I was just like, I can't believe, like this is why I didn't see this, and I, I have to, um, I have to give give special shout out to Assassin's Creed. Wow, the Michael Fassbender wow. adaptation of the uh, of the I, the video game, it, that movie starts six times. Like, you, you're watching it, and it's, like, 1492, Andalusia, and then there's, like, a whole, like, congregation of guys. Then it's, like, 1986 in Baja, and then it's, like, in a Huntsville, Alabama prison, and then Marion Cotillard and Michael K. Williams show up, and Jeremy Irons, and they're, like, you're actually a 500-year-old defender of the the original, like, apple that Adam and Eve ate. It's fucking wild how bad that movie is.
2: That's weird to me because you know what the video game is known for is its narrative clarity. So it's weird that they messed that up, in yeah, the- seriously. you know
0: what I mean? It's got such a simple story. Uh, the it's other a, one that th- simple story. The one that, the other one that I thought I wanted to bring up was uh, Inferno, the the Ron Howard the the latest Dan oh, Brown yeah. Ron Howard movie because that movie is like you got Tom Hanks. You've got like a really cool conspiracy puzzle got it just gorgeous scenery with Florence and mm-hmm. and Venice and Istanbul and they sure. spend most of the movie doing shaky um like blurry shots of like a by choice overweight Tom Hanks who's got amnesia from like being ad- abducted by uh Ben Foster's like security team and he's like a bioengineer who thinks that the world's population needs to be halved by a a viral agent. And but like all the shots of Tom Hanks with his really bad wig where they were like, what could we do to make Tom Hanks less legible? Let's give him like a weird receding mullet. And then he's and all the dialogue is just like, Dante's inferno says this. And it's it's really it was remarkable. It actually made me nervous for the uh, Han Solo movie that he's taking over. Also, I'm nervous yeah. because they have nine directors on that thing. But, that being said, I, one thing that I did know while I was gone was that uh, all of America added me about the fact that Blade Runner is getting very good reviews. So, maybe I have nothing to worry about. Maybe all this, all this concern is for nothing.
2: Yeah, I appreciated that, by the way. That was a really interactive moment because we recorded right before you left and right before I left here, yeah. we recorded a mailbag podcast where we expressed some reservations about the new Blade Runner film. And then when advanced embargoes got broken, our listeners <laughs>
0: assured us
2: that people who write for websites like Birth Movies Death or Chud or whatever thought it was pretty dope. Let me tell you, I am calm about it. No, I'm I'm excited. Of course we're excited. And by the way, we should tell people that due to our just glamorous travel lifestyle and also the the meetings we're taking in Silicon Valley for airplane movies. Yeah. uh, The app. We'll talk about Blade Runner. (laughs) The app is going to be fire. We are going to talk about Blade Runner next Thursday, October 12th. That we are going to talk about it because we are going to see that movie. Yeah. So we should tell people and, like, put in your calendar.
0: Well, we want to get to this interview with Jeff Garland. Andy, I I wanted to to know, you had an airplane movie of your own.
2: Yeah, I was about to say, I I thought you really were just going to, like, bogart my whole thing.
0: No, never that.
2: With your multiple airplane movies, I did, you know, as people, longtime listeners of airplane movies, hashtag it's a thing. No, context is everything. And when I say context, I don't just mean an airplane, because obviously that's the big one. It's the moment when you're watching it. Your intake, the part of the flight. So, during Assassin's Creed, was this like hour nine over the Atlantic Ocean? Like, were we do we, we have any zannies going on? Did no, you have I a had
0: a couple of frosty pilsners, and it was probably the th- well. We had two hours on the tarmac, then cool. we took off, and I watched a little Grand Budapest Hotel as a as an aperitif, and That's nice. then got into driver mood, and then went right into Assassin's Creed.
2: Well, that's a that's a harsh transition. That's not how Wes Anderson intended. Um, I yeah, I flew across the country yesterday. And by the way, thanks for everyone for asking how many Chardonnays I had. I fly with children, so so it was just it so was just life great, is Chardonnay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Life is just rich and buttery. And uh, no, I was just pure seltzer, pure seltzer on this flight. So it was a it was a sober flight. So my opinion should be judged as such. I watched The Big Sick. Chris, mm-hmm. And I am ready to talk about it and come out with an opinion that, at least as far as I know, is unique <laughs> and uh, unexpressed. Which is, boy, that's a great movie and a real pleasure to watch. And the supporting cast is stellar. Nice one. So you tell me, was that is that a
0: hot take? No, that was that was generally that was the consensus. That it was. I, I wonder whether or not that movie will come back around for any uh, for any award stuff towards the end of the year. I could see it getting. I, nominated for yeah. like, writing or for, for old uh, Holly Hunter. She was great.
2: Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. I think the screenplay is going to get nominated, and it should, because it's pretty impressive. I mean, to make a movie where it's a, rom- a romance, but the female lead, by the way, Justice Zoe Kazan, she was great, uh, is basically in a coma for the bulk of it. That's a feat of writing to make you care. But I, I, I wanted to get to Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, because they were so exceptional in this movie. And Ray Romano has low-key been building a really good career as an actor all of a sudden. He was That's great on vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. He was. R. 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 He vinyl. was the best thing on vinyl. And, uh, and Holly Hunter, like, imagine being Holly Hunter and being so good at acting, and your agent calls and, like, you can do 10 minutes on Batman v Superman. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, sure, I would like a beach house or whatever. But, like, you're Holly Hunter, man. You're an Academy Award winner. And she is so good in this movie. But the shocking thing about it for me, this is what I want to get your thoughts on as I dodge bus fumes here on seventy second street, is what does it say, or maybe it doesn't say anything surprising, that the that I thought the relationship between those characters, between uh Ray Romano's character and Holly Hunter's character, the parents of the, the said girl in the coma, girlfriend in a coma, is one of the best adult Love stories or investigation of adult relationships I've seen in a Hollywood movie in like ten years.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it's probably speaks to how little that uh, sort of demographic or age group is actually uh, not that like they're short of any <laughs> any any benefits in life. But th- sure. usually like now we have like y- young love or or very old love, like <laughs> Judy Dench love. I think, but you yes. don't get a lot of like uh late middle age people in love stories or not in love or falling out of love or having problems and I, yeah you're right that was it i thought that the way that they use the relatively high concept of the of the hook of the story which is essentially like some big couple who goes out on a few dates and then kind of starts to they they're breaking up but then the girlfriend winds up uh getting sick and going into a coma and the boyfriend becomes this sort of shepherd through the illness and has a, his own relationship with her parents and discovers a lot about himself and a lot about comedy. Uh, I thought that the the relatively high concept that they used was a great umbrella to throw all this other stuff in there.
2: I agree. And I thought there was a real kindness and generosity to the movie that didn't become saccharine. No, I agree with you. Generally, like in the two-hour mark of an Apatow movie, and Apatow produced this movie, things start getting fixed. You know, and sometimes it feels very heavy-handed. And the best example of that is Amy Schumer, like giving away all of her liquor at the third act of Trainwreck, because she clearly <laughs> she, couldn't be a good person if she liked a little, you know, it's a little full something. She does at the end that and a snatched day. too,
0: yeah.
2: But in this movie, one thing that I really appreciated was the relationship that, that Kumail had with his parents, which is not fixed no. by any stretch at the end.
0: No,
2: but there's an assumption that I think is true, which is that people stay in each other's lives and things change. And I like. I like a movie that has the confidence to stay in that slightly uncertain place and not just keep trying to tack on ending after ending after ending. Sort of a reverse Assassin's Creed, if you will. Uh, (laughs) It's a really good movie. Michael Showalter did a really impressive understated job directing it. Anyway, everyone out there, turns out you were right. Yes. That was a good one.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Andy, we want to get to this interview you did with Jeff Garland. Uh, people should check out The Ringer last week. Ran an exhaustive ranking of every Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Obviously, Curb came back last night. I have uh, to be honest, I have not not watched it yet. It, uh, it, I have a lot of catching it, up to I, do. Let me
2: just say about this. it It's really nice to have that show back, and it was really funny to watch, it, to watch this first episode of the new season. It didn't come back pretending to be anything, but it is, man. Yeah. It is, like, it's that raw, uncut curve, like, right from Jump Street. Just, <laughs> okay. Stuff's happening to this guy again. Yeah. It's, 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 it was it was pleasurable to have a comeback. I also wanted to say, before we get into this talk with Jeff Garland, who is a mensch of a man, wonderful guy to come in and talk, uh, kind of a tough nut to crack, because he will literally say anything about anything, but he will not reflect. That's his process. He okay. has no reflection on how things get done, So. It was fun to talk to him, but a little bit circuitous. I just want to say, for people who weren't paying attention to their feeds, you got a little bonus content over the weekend, because I also did an interview with Amy Landecker from Transparent. Oh, I did see which that. I thought was a, which was a really, really terrific conversation. When I is Transparent talking back? Is that back now? It's
0: back, man. Damn. Yeah. Transparent back. Once you left the country, they felt safe to put it out. Yeah, I want I got to get caught up. I watched The only thing I watched while I was gone was American Vandal. We watched the entire thing. Um, but... That, and I thought that was delightful, but I can talk about that at a later date. Um, People love
2: that show. we we got to get, get in front of the thing. You know, I know, that's, seriously. That snuck up on us.
0: Uh, all right, Andy, it was great to hear from you. I can't wait to see you in person. Uh, we'll have another show Thursday. Uh, we'll be getting to Blade Runner next Thursday. we got to finalize up book club details. But, uh, yeah.
2: Yep, you got a couple weeks left to read Sweet Forever by George Pelicano. It's yeah. going to be a good pod when we talk about it.
0: We are rolling. Let's do it. Andy with Jeff Garland. We'll talk to you guys next week.
2: Happy October, Vransky. Music
0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Meteor Shower. This fall, Amy Schumer and Keegan-Michael Key will make their Broadway debuts in Meteor Shower, a new comedy written by Steve Martin and directed by four-time Tony winner Jerry Zachs. They star alongside Tony winner Laura Benanti and Emmy nominee Alan Tudyk in the story of two couples who meet up to watch, you guessed it, a meteor shower. But as the night unfolds, things get hotter than the fiery space rocks tearing through the sky. Want to know more? Book tickets now to see the show Variety Calls, a comedy Cosmic Comedy from the Master of the American Absurd. Meteor Shower on Broadway for 12 weeks only. Previews begin November 1st, and availability is limited. Get tickets now at meteoronbroadway.com slash watch. That's meteor, M-E-T-E-O-R, onbroadway.com slash watch.
2: Here's, here's where I wanted to begin. First okay. of all, thank you for joining me. An honor. You are too kind. You are, you are constantly, but you have... Always been kind to me before well, we've even met.
1: Well, but you know it's one of those things. If someone's really good at what they do, why not be encouraging? I, I think. Why not right. say, "Hey, come on aboard and surpass me."
2: Wow. How do you like that? Wow. That well, is. Well, that's very... my attitude. Yeah. I,
1: I, I don't. I don't want to. I. I want to be the best that I can be. I don't right. have to be the quote best.
2: Right. Oh, I. And I.
1: And I want to be a success, but I don't have to be the only success. Because
2: it would be lonely at the top.
1: It's not a matter of being lonely, as it is just. It's just wrong to think otherwise, I think. You know? <laughs> Good. I like being generous of spirit, yeah. of material things. I like being generous.
2: And today you're being generous with your time. Yes, I am. So
1: Time is valuable. I walk out of movies all the time. Do you really? Yeah. Actually, I don't have time to go to that many. <laughs> yeah, so when say. I walk out now, it's not as many, but I do walk out.
2: What I wanted to, to start with, though, was uh, we spoke, I can't believe this, we spoke on the phone four years ago. Right. For the podcast. Right. You told me on the phone then that you had a feeling Curb your enthusiasm would be back.
1: Yes, you had I a did.
2: you had a feeling. You said you, had, you was based on nothing. You hadn't had Not any based conversation. On
1: anything, just a feeling that yeah, it'd be back.
2: Why did you think that then? And in the intervening years, did your faith waver?
1: No, it only got stronger. Really? Yeah, because I had conversations with him, and I just go, yeah, I think so. You know, I never asked him, mm-hmm. never pushed him. But it's just sort of, you know, I've been doing it. We've done nine seasons. I yeah. have a feeling. So we have, and I have a feeling we're not done yet. Really? Yeah. How, we start October first with a new season. Yeah. But I have a feeling there's gonna be more.
2: How can you tell things are trending in that direction? Is, is there? Do you get the sense that he's pulling on a thread? Is there? I don't a, think about why I feel that way. You just know.
1: Yeah, I don't like to overthink why I think. Fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, I You're asking that. me why I, I, I can't go down that path. It's like when I analyze stand-up comedy too much or yeah. comedy in general, I stop being funny for a period of time.
2: When it goes That's when it when, 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 when it leaves the body and goes into the head. Yes. And it uh, becomes... I
1: especially myself who yeah. Generally, in terms of stand-up, doesn't have much material. I just go up and talk. Yeah. So I don't want to be analyzing anything. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, on the way
2: up to the studio, we passed uh, one of our producers, Zach, who said mm. he'd saw you at the comedy yeah. store. And uh, you said, well, wh- did I have a good time? Is that what you yeah, said? Was I having a good was time? Was I having a good time? That's your marker, because you don't...
1: Well, then I know if I'm having a good time, it's impossible for me not to be funny. Yeah. And it's impossible for it not to be a good experience. That being said... I still kind of have a good time when the audience isn't great, <laughs> right. but not as good as it could be because I, I know the worst thing in the world is when it's a great audience and I'm not so funny. And that happens every once in a while.
2: But you, do you go in with material prepped or just the no. lifetime of stuff that you know and your point of view? No, and your...
1: no, neither. I go up with the feeling of my feet walking towards the stage. That's what I bring with me.
2: You've been doing this for some time.
1: 35 years.
2: It, it, what year was it when that was all you went up, began walking up on stage with just your feet?
1: Maybe six, seven, eight, nine. Wow, no more than ten years ago.
2: No more than ten. Oh, I thought you were going to say. I've year always eight, been eight, nine an or improviser, or yeah. but
1: to where I just dove in and said, "Screw yeah. it!" But see, now I flip things around. I'm preparing an off Broadway show. Really? So I have to have material. What I want to do is have material, but yet to have it be a different show every night.
2: That's very exciting. Where it's
1: thematic Yeah. and there's, you know, there's an idea behind what I'm doing and have the material, but maybe not even go to it.
2: What I'm interested in in this is your ability and others who I've spoken to as well, but, but the ability to take the tenets of improvisation, the, the essential creativity, yes. the freedom, the positivity, yes. the community. yes. And not have it be like the a presence. The pre- exactly, that's the key word. Well, that's the word that I'm running away from because okay. I'm scared of it in my presence, own life. Presence, being but presence. Yes, taking it from a concept, a you know, a suit you put on to go to work in, right. To having that be your default setting yes. and extending it to your life. So it's not just you go to work on Curb, you go to an you go perform with the groundlings. This is an imp- this is a safe space for improvisation to. I'm going to go to a comedy club and do it. I'm going to come on a podcast. Actually, a I'm comedy gonna...
1: club is the safest. Because people
2: are primed well, to laugh? it's a
1: controlled environment. Yeah. They paid. They're sitting forward. Two drinks. They have to have two drinks, which, you know, alcohol doesn't necessarily help me unless someone's really uptight. Right. So a pot would help a little bit more. But yeah, it's it, that's more of a control. But that's, I, When I go on stage or when I sit with you, mm-hmm. I'm the same person. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's no difference between who I am when I go into a Starbucks and who I am when I go on stage at the Comedy Store. And yet you said... And actually, I just came from Netflix. Yeah, right next uh, door. Yeah, I had lunch with my friend at Netflix mm-hmm. who works at Netflix. Uh, and I, everywhere I went, I entertained people. I kept on picking up placards going... <laughs> Uh, Netflix won 20 Emmys. They were all over the place. Yeah. I go, please, any one of your shows that won, whether it's scoring, writing, write a nice letter. Let them know that you work here and you're proud. Yeah. And they were, la- you know, it was, it was fun. And my friend, who, pretty, who who was a big macher, as we yeah. say, amongst Jews there, he thought it was funny. But I use, to me, all of it's entertaining. People, things. I go up to people on, a, on the street and I go, you realize that outfit works great for you. Like, I'll say that. <laughs> that's a gift. Women, men. Yeah. I go, you're a dandy to a man who's dressed mm. like a dandy. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like someone who really goes all out with a bow tie sure. and a hat and a suit and special uh. shoes. They're a dandy. It's a compliment. Yeah. Um, it's a delightful thing to say. So I'm not afraid. If someone reacts negatively to those things, that's their thing, man.
2: F- full disclosure, we, this, this podcast is happening partly because of your rampant generosity and the open, openness with which you were greeting any invitation, the ones even that weren't forthcoming for me. Right. But we crossed paths at the um, HBO event. At after the HBO Emmys party, the yes. And yes. even then, surrounded by the glitterati, you said, I'm doing a podcast, which I, uh,
1: yeah,
2: which I appreciate. But you also told me then that you had gone mostly dark
1: on social media. Yeah, not mostly. I'm dark. Completely dark. I have no I have no social media accounts. I have one private one, yeah. which is called Grandma's Balls. <laughs> swear to God, that's the name of it. It's no longer private. Well it doesn't matter because I yeah. it you you
2: can't it's locked.
1: It's locked. The so if you want to follow me, try. You're not going yeah. I mean not if you want to follow me. You can yeah, if you want to follow yeah, me. You can
2: say no. You won't.
1: Yeah, I've said I have no followers. No followers? It's not, it's not I may have one. W- Sometimes, if, like I'm intrigued by who this person is, and if they're private too, I'll say, <laughs> "Excuse me, I burped." I say yes, and then I look at their things. I'll show it, you yours if you then show I'll me mine. Yeah. Wow! No, I want no one following me. So I was putting up yeah. pictures and telling stories and having fun. I with was it. enjoying it very much. Thank you. Um, but I've decided that I want to be a man of mystery.
2: Talk talk to me about that.
1: Well, I feel that. I like the idea that, I, not a, that well, I am obviously comparing myself to Cary Grant by saying this, but I like <laughs> it's the a, it's idea a natural comparison. that when I was a little kid, I mm-hmm. didn't know anything about Jerry Lewis or mm-hmm. Cary Grant mm-hmm. or any of these stars. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. My favorite comedian, I didn't know what Jack Benny was doing. Mm-hmm. And I sound much older than I am. These are people that were at the end of their careers right. when I was a kid. A full
2: body of work and still mysteries. Y-
1: yes. I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I really enjoy being on here with you, and I think this is a much more interesting and constructive way. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm doing next week. I'm doing Seth Myers on Thursday. Found out on the second guest, and it's not an ego thing. It's just like at that time, who's watching? Yeah. But uh, what's her name? She's one of the uh, Jennifer Holiday uh-huh. is. Uh, the first guest, she's on the, the 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 voice, yeah, and she's NBC. I get why she's ahead of me, but the point is, no one's gonna be on. It's also such a truncated thing. It's like we have our six minute, five minute yep. segment, and goodbye, and there is no depth of conversation. What I used to love about the Tonight Show when I was a kid, the two things I loved were uh, comedians mm-hmm. and raconteurs. Mm-hmm. People just went on and told stories. Mm-hmm. And you didn't. they didn't feel rushed, it na- felt natural, and I still dig that. Now, like I won't do pre-interviews, mm-hmm. I don't. I did one pre-interview and it turned out to be one of the best interviews I ever did, and I don't put those exclusive, yeah. and that was Howard Stern, but I wasn't rushed, I could just talk, but he was yeah. very prepared, and the person who did the pre-interview was great. So now I'll do a pre-interview to sort of assuage their concerns, yeah. but not for my... Appearance. How
2: has your life changed since you went dark?
1: Um, I got to tell you, people have said, I'm sorry, your account's not up. Yeah. And I've thought probably a dozen times of things I wanted to put up.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's it.
1: That's it. But the reason that, for example, that I went off, I went off, uh, Louis C.K. and I did it at the same time. Oh, yeah. Together. We talked about it. Same day. Boom. Went off Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, he had a lot more things, but I still had like 150,000, you know, Mm -hmm. and don't miss it because I have a platform. Mm -hmm. I go up on stage whenever I want, Mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid of saying something stupid. Mm -hmm. I just thought today of a thing I'd want to put on Twitter, like, do I open an account to put this up? Because I wanted to announce that I'm uh, protesting the rest of the NFL season. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of Colin Kaepernick, yeah. Now I don't you. know necessarily. The idea that Colin Kaepernick didn't vote really turned me off to him, yeah. But he's too good a quarterback. The dude was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This was now, not I'm that I'm long say, ago. Yeah, I know, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Yeah, and we drafted this quarterback, who I'm very excited uh-huh. about. But we have a starter that defines the word mediocrity. Yeah. And I'm not saying he wasn't a good college quarterback or a good ba- or a good backup quarterback. But Colin Kaepernick would be a much better starting quarterback yeah. for the Bears. So they're accepting mediocrity because of their corporate uh, right-wing not want to offend festival, as opposed to just being the best people they can be. Yeah. And to me, my demand is that you put the best people to play football on the field.
2: That's the whole point of it. Well, that, that's why I don't watch college sports because I no want to watch. It. I want to watch the best.
1: Well, that's a, your own reason. And
2: then except now we're not. Back back to Curb for a few moments. When Larry called you. Yes. Is that how it works? He called you and said we're getting the getting the band back together?
1: No. Because I was work? going along with your scenario. Okay. So he does call me, he does text me. We but we're friends. <laughs> we're, we're close friends. I didn't mean to
2: imply that you were
1: No, no, but we're we're close friends. So I was discussing it with him on a regular basis. Right. So it's sort of flipped over. There was never a, Oh, I'm going to do it. It was, you know, he's started writing them. And I knew after a certain amount of writing, he would go forward with it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm present and in relationship with him. Therefore I know what's going on. So it was not a phone call of like, Hey, you want to do the more? Blue.
2: Yeah. It's not out of the he blue. He did
1: that to me once before. And I'm like, I knew you were going to do this, yeah. you know, but yeah.
2: In the time, six, six years, seven years? Since,
1: ta- Since we've done it last, it was, at least five.
2: It was 2011, I think, was the last okay. season. It mm-hmm. probably you filmed it in, in 2010. Um,
1: I couldn't even tell you what year we were doing it in when we were filming it.
2: So well, how, in so that time, know. Yeah. how has has your opinion of the show changed at all? The body of work behind you? Your relationship to it changed at
1: all? I don't think about
2: it, man. That, that's what I thought you were going to say.
1: Yeah, I don't think about it at all.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't. I know that the evolution of the show in terms of me has changed as we've gone as we as mm-hmm. we've gone along, but the one thing thing that stayed consistent is my voice in terms of I have my voice mm-hmm. while doing the show. Mm-hmm. I make my choices, mm-hmm. I'm all good, so I don't feel like shut out um
2: well, it's a very collaborative process by, it's a collaborative by definition process,
1: but when we started, there was just um a few of us, yeah, and then more came aboard. Some left, some came, and the tone would change. Mm-hmm. Some, and it's changed, but um, I don't think about it too much.
2: There's a lightness to this whole production that I that I'm picking up on, not just f- from what you're saying now, but you know, there's a, a Jim Miller did this Origins podcast about the show, and... which
1: I did not participate in, and I did not want to.
2: I noticed that I was. I don't want to because you don't want to poke at the. The creation, the well, here's the what it is
1: I have found that when it comes to the origin of anything, mm-hmm. whether it be a, a, a football game that went down in history, a mm-hmm. TV show, a movie, mm-hmm. a play, a, a book, mm-hmm. anything anyone who's involved with it is really working hard to show that they were part of it and they were important to it. Mm-hmm. I don't, my ego
2: jockeying for position. In the, the only
1: reason for me to do that yeah. podcast would be ego. And Ooh. so I have no desire. And I watched other, by accident, I was sent part of a transcript of it. And it was by accident. I thought it was something I was a part of. It. And then as I read a certain person's quote, I was like, oh no, this is that thing. And I was very upset with my publicist for sending it to me. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't want to be part of that. Like, I won't go back and listen to this yeah. conversation oh, I, or watch I, it. I won't either. No, no. Well, you won't either. <laughs> but no, because I participated in it. Like, I, don't, I watch the shows. Yeah.
2: You do the, You do, do that.
1: No, I watch them, and I watch movies I make and such to give my notes or edit or mm-hmm. do whatever. Mm-hmm. But if there's not a creative uh, participation, I don't want to watch it like the Goldbergs. I don't watch the Goldbergs mm-hmm. unless Adam Goldberg tells me... Watch this episode. Mm-hmm. I know you'll like it, and there's a lot I want you to see in it. But other than that, it does me no good to watch it, because I'll think of other takes I could have done, I'll think of a falseness of this, yeah. this is not the way I would do it, you know what I mean? I can't remove myself right. and just enjoy things I work in. Right. So.
2: But my, my takeaway from that was the sort of the lightness and presence that you're talking about, that you bring to it, seems sort of endemic to the entire enterprise of Curb because uh, Jim Miller who did this project and obviously fans like myself who listen to it are searching because we want substance you know we right. love this show we want right. to be in the room we love all of you so much right. and what was actually kind of um, uh, I guess illuminating about the entire process was that everyone felt so light about it there was, there was not a weightiness to the memory we struggled to make this it was really you know people talking about I guess in the early seasons you had one trailer and then you know, you, we you, not only had you, one
1: you, trailer. We didn't. We didn't even have our own trailer. We shared it with the makeup and hair department. That, yeah, that, and then I don't think it was until season three or four that Larry and I shared what's called a double banger, where it's a trailer which we still use today. Larry, yeah. Larry and I have this share a trailer, and we're two halves. That's nice of a trailer. Yeah, but we were always. And then one season I remember, or two. The producers were on one side, and the other side was the changing room for the actors. Right. And they had a play. It was just, it always was strange. Look, HBO used to call us in the beginning their little experimental show. (laughs) I swear. That's what they called us. How how condescending. Um, But now, people don't realize Curb Your Enthusiasm is the longest running show in the history of HBO.
2: Yes, I, I, you're right about now, that. Now,
1: there's other pop, more popular, Game of Thrones, yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, The Sopranos, what have you, uh, probably Sex and the City, but we are the longest running mm-hmm. show in the history of HBO. There's
2: a, even separate and apart from the, like the physical accoutrement of doing the show, like the right. trailer or whatever, or the investment in it, something about the way that you make the show seems to make it like, almost, you can't, you can't touch it or put meaning around it because of the way that you created it. Do you, do you know what I'm sort of getting at? That there's, used to be more there's... the
1: case early on. It's not as much the case now
2: because he plots it more because, it's Larry... because
1: it's more plotted and they, they're more concerned with, with what giving people lines and such. I mm. don't like that. That goes against what I like. Right. I've expressed this to Larry, so it's not like he... He's not going to listen to this, but if someone said to him, I heard him, Someone someone might put it in his ear by accident. Because I'm not big on saying things publicly that you haven't told a person. Mm -hmm. But by the way, I still love the show. Yeah. And no one tells me what to say. But, I don't mean that like a bear. (laughs) I mean that like, that's not what I do and that's not what I came on for. Right. You know.
2: Well, I can't imagine... um, Actually, I don't need to imagine. You're right here. You can tell me about this because... You have done this. This is the ninth season yeah. of Curb. Yeah, done in a very specific way, improv yeah. improvised show. Yes, with your friends.
1: More improvised early beginning. on, less and less as the years go on. I'm now, always improvising,
2: but you're now into year five of the Goldbergs. Yes, which I which from my, I I know from our previous conversation, and I imagine it's the same. Is was a. Uh, Another positive experience for you.
1: Very positive. I love the people I work with. I love the scripts. Very all different.
2: Scripts, you I make 20 to, of uh, them per year. I,
1: st- I improvise sometimes. I'll just tell them I'm going to improvise on yeah. this take. But in general, I follow it exactly. It's well written. Yeah. So I just follow it exactly.
2: Just Is it just putting on a different hat on the way to the office or a different part no, of your brain?
1: Nope. Nope. I don't think about it. Yeah. I have a process. My process for Curb is I read all the outlines mm-hmm. before the seasons begin. Okay. I come to the set and I ask them, what is this scene about? Uh-huh. When I'm standing on the set, uh-huh. I ask that. That's how long I wait. We don't rehearse. I'm told what we're doing. There have been times where they started rolling and I said to Larry, what is this scene about? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and we both have to be told what the scene's about. But that's what keeps it really real and fresh. Now... Goldberg's, I get the script the night before. I, mean, yeah. I get the script a week in advance, probably. Right. But the night before, I get the sides, the yeah. scenes we're going to do. I read them that night. I read them in the makeup chair in the morning. And I read them once, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I go and I rehearse it. And I read the script while I rehearse. As soon as I'm done rehearsing, I go off with my dialogue coach. And I run the lines three or four times. Mm-hmm. And then I know them. And I go back on the set when they're ready, they're lit. And I do it. That's a process for that. Curb, like I said, there is no process.
2: As a native Philadelphian, I was really hoping you said dialect coach. I was really dialect hoping coach, that maybe yeah. you, you would... In that case, you would love water.
1: Yeah, water. yeah. But you, the, yeah. the show doesn't go for that level of no.
2: verite no, <laughs> realism. It does,
1: it does not. Other people I, from Philly love it.
2: Absolutely. Of course. That's. I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s as a Jewish boy in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, so it's there kind you go. Of Yeah, it hits home. Not much of a stretch. No. Um, do you... We've we've covered you don't you don't dissect the experience of the process right I don't we've, like we, to. we've covered um, but what I you am enjoy. about
1: preparation for whatever needs to be prepared okay for example when I've done stand-up on let's say the David Letterman show right. I did it a hundred times the set before I ever walked out and did it because I wanted to have fun yeah and I didn't want to ever think about what I was saying or the, the 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 groove to it I even went the night before. And after they were done filming, I stood in the dark of the really? Ed Sullivan Theater on wow. the mark and did it. So that level of preparation is necessary to have the freedom. I have to know my lines when I'm doing something that's scripted to have the freedom to be a good actor, to be present for the other actor, which is the number one thing, to be present. Being present is the key to all of it. When I do stand-up, in order for me to improvise and do what I do, I have to be present with the audience. I have to feel what they're feeling. I have to be part of them. And I sense very early on... This is not working. This is not good. How do we adjust this? I even ask them. Yeah. I go, here's where we're at. How can we fix this? How can we fix this? <laughs> and it usually gets fixed. Um, but yeah, but being present in relationships. I think when you're in a marriage, uh-huh. if, if you can daily yeah. look at the other person and go, thank you, man. I'm, I'm happy you're here doing this with me. Is everything okay with you? And just being present, or you don't seem good, mm-hmm. that being the, the, present... The check-in. Every day, that's like key. That's key to friendship. That's key to, but marriage especially, and the arts. The S- arts and marriage.
2: S- what is the thing in our brains that fights that?
1: I don't analyze that.
2: I think you're going. This, this is be, this is becoming prescriptive. No,
1: I don't know. I don't know why we go against. Yeah. By the way, the only thing that I know as yeah. a fifty-five-year-old man that we should be doing yeah. is being kind to ourselves. Yeah. On a daily basis. I smile at myself in the mirror every morning, which is absurd and it makes me laugh and sets a tone for the day. But the point being is, I know that the most important thing is to be kind to yourself. And if you're kind to yourself, how can you help but be kind to someone else? In filming
2: Curb, what is the greatest source of joy for you?
1: Being present with Larry. And being in the scene with Larry and having the scene groove and mm-hmm. and work, and he and I when we're done with the take are just giddy. Yeah, it's so wonderful and so happy. The more actors you add to that, the less chance of it happening. But it does happen. So when you have a big scene with like eight characters, yeah, it's tough to have fun.
2: The joy that you're talking about in those scenes with Larry, like that—that's the thing about the show that is not describable and not worth dissecting. But it is palpable. Right the it's audience palpable. the audience can feel that
1: and and it's those moments where i realize how lucky i am mm-hmm. and those moments where they're extraordinary where i know they won't happen again
2: they're caught once they're there and they're gone
1: they're there if i ever have those feelings like that and reach those that's uh, i'm that's crazy i've never had those moments on the goldbergs yeah I have joyous moments on Goldbergs. Right. I love working on the Goldbergs, but I've never had those supremely enlightened moments where you go, "Wow." Now, I've gotten that from watching Wendy mcclendon covey <laughs> yeah. in a scene. I watch her in a scene and I'm giddy, and I'm I'm so excited I forget my lines. I'm off camera. So, I can feel that for other people, but I'm talking about myself. I've only felt that in those moments on curb. And sometimes like when I did my movie handsome, mm-hmm. I had moments there that were you that just, delightful. you did
2: my segue for me.
1: Oh, you're about to talk about Handsome? I was and oh, wow.
2: handsome because just to make sure people are aware you've, 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 Used your time away from Curb and the Goldbergs right, to make these projects year. of your own. Yes. Uh, going back to already now ten years ago, I want someone to eat cheese with, which right. is a wonderful movie you made. The uh, talking with talking with dealing, dealing with, with idiots. idiots. Sorry, yes. the, uh, the previous with movie with Bob
1: Odenkirk and a bunch of great people. Yeah.
2: And then just this past year, you made Handsome, which yeah. is this. I don't. I'd love to know how you describe it because I found a. Hard, I found it hard to describe.
1: Well, it's a very. I think the word is. It's a breezy. See, here's what I think. Breezy is a good word. It's a, uh, the long goodbye meets Colombo.
2: Okay. Yes, but you mean mean the Altman's long goodbye.
1: Robert Altman's long goodbye sort of meets Colombo. Here's the thing. I think that who would enjoy it? I think anyone who loves film Mm -hmm. and anyone who loves me. If you're the Venn diagram of those two things. No, I'm being totally serious. Not necessarily. I think most comedy fans, but not all of them. Yeah. I think that there are tons of people who just look at movies as like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie. Yeah. Don't watch my movie.
2: No, but there's something about it. Enjoy it. The thing that I enjoyed about it is that I just felt like I was chasing something with you. You know, I'm just I'm I'm on this. I like watching you. I like the people you were hanging with in the movie. But most more than that. I like detective stuff. I liked LA. And then here we go. And, they, we go. and there is a- and from either, the, very, you're,
1: you're, the very first shot yes. is the murderer, the actor who plays the murderer, yes. telling the audience, I play the murderer in this movie. And then he says, have a good time, basically. Have a good time. Here yes, we go. Have a good time. Here we go. I'm very proud of it. I, will hope, I am doing other movies for Netflix. I just don't have time. Yeah. I literally am going from this to something else to something else. Another season of Goldberg's. So it's all just so. At some point, I'll have time.
2: But I like that the consistent thing through these projects, especially of the last decade or so, mm-hmm. is is that there's a line to be drawn between these projects and this larger conversation we're having. Because you're just saying, "Come, on, come on, come with me. Come with right. me on this, and well, and we'll roll." They are
1: not. Also, when you see handsome, you see what I bring to curb.
2: Yes. Yeah. You do. And,
1: no, it's really clear. <laughs> yeah. What do I bring to curb? What vibe, Mm -hmm. what energy, what sense of humor, what sensibility, music, everything. That's what I bring to curb. Like if you want to see what I don't bring to curb, like the opposite of me with curb is clear history. I had nothing to do with that.
2: Uh, Going full circle. I'm realizing now I was, I've been praising you for your generosity just towards me because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not outside of myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really, that's the hallmark of what you like in performance and in comedy, too, right? There's a scene in the beginning of Handsome where you and some cops are gathered around a decapitated head. Oh, yeah. you basically are—you reminded me of a tennis instructor because you're bouncing the ball to everyone there. Without a doubt. Everyone gets their turn Where did I
1: learn that from? Preston Sturgis and Frank Capra. Mostly Preston Sturgis. Yeah. Whereas if you're the mailman, you're going to have a piece of business. Yeah. There's nobody who just has one line and moves along. Everyone is a human being. That mailman that would be in my movie, yeah. um, and he wasn't dealing with idiots. I put a mailman in. Yeah. Uh, he has things happen to him before he got there, happen thing after, and he, I want him to share in the experience. So every actor in my m- movies... But that's what I love watching. So I put up what I love watching.
2: But I love the way you're giving – you're expanding the palette for that uh, that idea of comedy, uh, expanding the framework for it. Because what I've been thinking about, and going back to talking to Kroll and Manzukas about this, mm. they're of the opinion, or at least their their experience, is that there is kind of, at least in their professional experience, a dividing line in the comedy world, mm. a- almost pre-UCB and post-UCB, in that post-UCB, post-improvisation becoming more the, the – the, the Lay of the Land, mm-hmm. that there was a previous track where you go to, you'd get your set, you go to Montreal, you get your TV deal, and it's about servicing your singular track towards a certain level of fame. By the whereas, way, can, whereas, I, be, can saying, I be
1: really bold and blunt? That's what you're here for. It's not post-UCB and pre-UCB. This is what I'm asking. It's post and pre-Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Curb Your Enthusiasm is the one that turned the wheel on that. Yeah. And I've never thought that until this moment. Okay. But it's not UCB. UCB was a place where improvisers went, but Second City's always been a place. Mm-hmm. The Groundlings has always been a place. There's been other places, you know. Um, by the way, UCB's done some great work, and um, I've hired many people on Curb yeah. Your Enthusiasm from UCB. I'm pro UCB. I used to perform there. So I'm not saying that, but. UCB came along after Curb Your Enthusiasm. So Curb Your Enthusiasm was what gave way to The Office. Mm-hmm. Curb Your Enthusiasm gave way to Parks and Rec and and uh, 30 Rock and all these shows. They're in a post-curb world. Right. The only thing that was close to anything prior to Curb was Larry Sanders. Yeah. So you could say Larry Sanders was the first, was Larry Sanders had the key or said, here, open the door this way. And then Curb kicked it open. And then everything is post-Curb. I
2: agree completely, especially in terms of prepping the audience for what, you know, making the audience understand a certain language of comedy and a certain approach to comedy. Yes. I think they also meant it in terms of a collaborative spirit amongst creatives. Not true. Because, but what you are saying, the to, truth is, it goes back to Preston it, Sturgis. Yes,
1: it goes back to Preston Sturgis with with like doing that. But the truth is, having been a comedian since 1982, uh-huh. comedians were much uh, were m- much more uh, uh, supportive and thoughtful of one another. Back then, than now. Now it's a big ball of every man for himself. Really? Yeah. And rarely do the UCB people or Second City people, whoever they are, are happy for one another in their success. Interesting. I'm there. I hear they, their talk, and I also I remember when I didn't uh, when I worked with Eddie Murphy. I said, why aren't you not doing something? And he was telling me a story of going to the Laugh Factory and everyone giving him like a look of like, I could do what you do. I'm better than you. Uh, and he's right. That's what, It wasn't his imagination. Yeah. Because now, when I was a young comedian and someone had done The Tonight Show, mm-hmm. I wanted to touch them. I wanted to be in the same mm-hmm. spirit. Nobody gives a crap of your accomplishment anymore. It's all about them. And that, I think that can lend tons to, towards the narcissistic. Yeah. But I found that my peers when I started, and I do think of th- them, Jason and uh, Nick, yeah. as as my peers. I respect the crap out of them and enjoy them and enjoy their success. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, but. Their peers are not that way, and my peers were that way. The only way that back then that you didn't get support or approval is if we thought you sucked and you didn't deserve it. But if we felt you deserved it, so supportive. So supportive. Why? I remember being in the comedy club the week the David Letterman show premiered, the nighttime David Letterman, and all the comics, some of which you knew him. We're just standing around there and everyone was just sort of not cutting on it, but figuring out what's going on. What's that? Oh, I guess Paul will be his sidekick. Like it was a different landscape. So I disagree. I disagree. I think creatively it was much more supportive back then.
2: How I'm curious about how that factors into the conversation we had a little while ago about being relevant. Because Mm -hmm. you you want to still be relevant. You want to stay relevant. A lot of people I
1: started with Are not relevant. That's what
2: I mean. And you even talked to Eddie Murphy, who's not doing stand-up. You're still doing stand uh, Eddie
1: Murphy could easily be relevant. And I offered my help because oh, I yeah. was doing shows and stuff. But he could be because he's a genius. Total genius. There's not a lot of geniuses out there. I got to tell you, a lot of people I started with, some of which are still doing it, but man, they're doing the same act from back then. Yeah. They're not relevant. Yeah. They're so not relevant. And they t- they don't take risks the way they didn't take risks back then. Anyone back there who took risks, who was funny, is successful. I can tell you that 100%. Mm. If you took risks back then, you are successful today. Mm. Maybe not a star, but successful.
2: We could even just use Larry as an example because right. he, the comedy that he was Always doing. Always took risks. And, and Always. And didn't particularly from what I understand, cared about the reaction.
1: And by the way, did not have success. For a long time. Right. Right. But he was taking risks and he was relevant and doing interesting things. And the odd, the world caught up with Larry. He changed,
2: the, he, the world didn't change him, he changed the world. Right. Which is a pretty remarkable thing. Yes. And probably a, a good working definition for genius. Very much so. Possibly. Yes,
1: yes, he's extraordinary.
2: Um, season nine. Yes. I don't want you to dissect it. Yes. I don't want spoilers, which I know you wouldn't give right. me. Right. Can you give me a tone poem, an adjective? A tone you, the, poem? The, the other night you said to me, You're going to be happy, which I appreciate it. I don't well, know if there's the any way. The thing more. is, the
1: reason you're going to be happy is it's still the same show. Yeah. We haven't, even though we've been away like a long time, we haven't reinvented the wheel. And, but what will be kind of like, I can't believe they're doing that when you see thematically what it's about. I don't mind saying that. Okay. So we, the first episode right away is going to set the tone of like, Oh, and it's, oh okay, but delightful.
2: Is that the reaction you had when you learned yes. that twist? you made. When a...
1: I learned verbally in having mm-hmm. a discussion with Larry and he was telling me what he wanted to do, it was like, are you kidding me? And I think it's great.
2: I'm very excited. I also just want to say that it, it brought me great joy, having not seen the episodes yet, that my last image of you on Saturday night was I saw you and Larry holding hands and cavorting. Now, I don't know if you're often a public cavorter,
1: by Few way, people are. I'm very affectionate with him. I love him very much. It, was, it warmed I, my heart. I will sometimes say to him, hold my hand. Just as a joke, it, yeah. but I'll hold it. And he'll look at me like, you fucking idiot. And then I'll <laughs> stroke his hair sometimes. And if he doesn't know it's me, yeah. it's hilarious because he lets it go. <laughs> he thinks it's his girlfriend. He thinks, sure. he thinks it's the makeup artist. But in general, you know, we have decorum with one another. But just being around him, we love each other. And so, and we're very close and he is a confidant. He's, he's one of my best friends and I'm honored by that. You know, it, I am.
2: It was very, it was very nice to see. It was very sweet. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to the season. I hope that when next we speak. And
1: also please don't leave out the Goldberg starts like the oh my same God. week.
2: Let's do this. The
1: same week. The 27th is the Goldbergs This is... and the 1st of October, 27th September Goldbergs. First, uh, the I
2: just here's the thing. This is Jeff Garland week in Hollywood.
1: It can be every week, and also the Goldbergs is in syndication now. It's a bit much with me.
2: That's exciting. But
1: here's the thing I want to say: everyone of the Goldbergs is concerned that I'll just go out and hype Kerb, uh, right? And I don't think that's fair. So I just want to say a throw out to I know. Here's the thing: the Goldbergs is a delightful show. It's the number one show on television for families watching together. Wonderful. Number three, Not just Jewish families. Not just Jewish families. That actually makes me happy on a number of levels. Number three for comedy, but number one for that. So I'm very, very proud of it. But when it comes back for a new season, it doesn't make the front page of newspapers. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, it wasn't away for seven years. It's not even that. Curb is an iconic show. Yeah. And so... I understand the level of excitement yeah. is a lot different so the people at the Goldbergs I don't want I want to leave them out
2: No, and I'm not just paying lip service to it. What that show does is in its own way impressive because to be Very impressive. consistently funny to am I a large to be audience on both
1: of these things that, and the outer reaches on each end, family yes. and you know adult, it's fun
2: It's almost as if you've made it. Although you said there's still a few things you're still searching for. (laughs) Well, there's
1: things I'm still searching for and working hard to achieve. Um, They're not ego things. They're just like, I know I can do this. I want to do this. So I hope I have the opportunity. Creatively. Creatively, yes. I don't care about, like, I don't have to be standing on the hill holding an award. I
2: appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you.
1: Thank you. (laughs)
0: Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Mack Weldon. With a smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon underwear is definitely better than whatever you're currently wearing. In addition to looking and feeling great, all Mack Weldon products are crafted with natural fibers that have built-in performance capabilities, so they work hard, too. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, all that, and they are shipped right to your door. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep them. And they will still refund you. No questions asked. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code WATCH.